This program is brought to you by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. Hello again, we do want to welcome everyone back to Bible Studies with Russ. With me today is our with a as a special guest or guest host is Brother Trevor Hall, and so we thank uh, I want to thank Trevor for being here with me uh, today. Trevor is one of the members there at uh, Chipman Road there in Lee Summit, and of course many of you who are some of you probably already know Trevor here listening, and so, uh, but he's going to be joining uh, joining me today as we look at this topic of uh, really a special Bible study. As we've previously been going through the Book of Joshua, and we'll return to that uh, later on. Uh, but we're going to look at this special study on is baptism a requirement? And if you think about it, Trevor, if you think about some of the things that people have. Um, I want to, what's the right word, points of contention or uh, debates about concerning the church, what's the first thing you, pe- you think people probably t- bring, up, uh, bring up the most? I mean, me personally, just going off what you're saying there, I'd probably have to say um, baptism, um, either that or musical instruments, one of the two. And I mean, coming from yeah. a public school background and stuff like that and talking to people who are members of denominations, that's really like the biggest thing that they have issues with right off the bat. Yeah, it's definitely one of the first things that, that pops up. And probably if you were to search Church of Christ, probably uh, that would be one of the things that pops up right beside musical instruments, those two those two things. And we all know there's a lot of videos and things out there concerning religious things, some of them good, some of them completely terrible, for honest. And so... Uh, but this is one that uh, I know Trevor came across, and I've seen some different videos uh, similar to this um, in the past. And really, they all kind of have this, have very similar arguments when it comes to talking about is baptism a requirement. And so, um, you know, some I'm gonna say some because I think there's you know there's this video that talks about it, which we'll you know mention more later but there's a lot of videos out there that that do this same type of thing but some will argue we talk about baptism being a requirement and if you were to ask them in the world today is baptism a requirement to be saved probably the answer we're going to hear the most is probably no uh because the church even as large as it is um you know people today are not not everyone is a member of the church. Everyone, you know, some are members of denominations, obviously. And so the answers are going to vary. But the question we want to focus on is baptism a requirement, looking at it, of course, from the Bible. You know, if we're going to talk about anything religious, we have to use the proper standard. It's not what people have heard over the years. It's not what, you know, they've heard from their pastor, so-called, uh, over the years or what they grew up being taught. It's what does the Bible actually say and so that's what we're concerned with and so i'm going to begin by looking at this first point here and um and that is some say that abraham wasn't baptized yet he is called righteous and they refer to genesis 15 6 and what's interesting and as trevor can point out as well the the first thing this one this particular person brought up when they said this was all people are going to say well that's old testament and my response is you're exactly right (laughs) it is old testament and so uh you know Trevor, when someone, when we're talking about things like this, and someone begins to quote from the Old Testament, what's one of the first things that pops in your mind? Uh, for me personally, it's the difference in law that you see from Old Testament to New Testament. And there's just so many different changes that we see um, once Christ dies on the cross, and we see the um, the creation of the church. So there's just so many different things going on here 
that relates to law. I mean, in the Old Testament, you see sacrifices and all these different things that they had to do that we don't do anymore today, which makes it such a difficult comparison. And for me personally, with this guy, like, oh, yeah, I know it's Old Testament, but he continues on to use that as an example. And I, for mm-hmm. one, just don't understand that as, at all because, like, from a logical standpoint, you really can't use that as a good comparison. Yeah, because if if you were to, it's interesting that when we when we start talking about stuff like this and people start doing the old, pulling things from the Old Testament, one of and one of the first things I think of, and like you said, there are differences in law and thing is there's only certain things that people will pull out of the Old Testament. They never pull out the multiple wives. You never hear that argument very much, maybe from the Mormons. I don't know, but uh, you don't hear that. You don't hear, oh, well, you know, what about the sacrifices and, and, and things like that? They're very picky about what they go to the Old Testament for, which to me, and probably to you as well, is, is a red flag. Why are we only going to the Old Testament for certain things? Because, a lot of people now will begin to understand it's the old law, like this person said. He said, you know, yes, it's the Old Testament, right? But yet you still go through it and you use it to defend it, which is interesting that you really have instances of baptism being referred to, as we'll talk about here a little bit later. I'm going to hit myself, uh, kind of glimpses of it. Even in the Old Testament, uh, you know, if you think about Noah, and and the and the flood and that's referenced later I believe uh, I'm getting him myself later in Hebrews, uh, but he was saved. The Bible says he was saved by water. Eight saved by water, and someone said, well, no, he was saved by faith. Didn't know that that was, but water is in in water is something that's seen throughout the Bible as it's very important when it comes to the religious uh, comes to the church. Uh, you know, uh, those who were we were healed of leprosy sometimes were for example we're told to go and dip seven times uh you know uh, and and do different things since the water is very important old testament new testament but if we're going to um defend something about being a requirement we shouldn't we shouldn't go back to the old law why would you go back to the law that's not in effect right oh yeah um and to your point that people just kind of pick and choose. I remember I had a conversation with someone back in high school and they were really like picky on what they would pick and pull. Like we were talking about um, musical instruments. He's like, Oh, well David played the harp and I would give him the same argument. I mean, yeah. And at the same time you see people giving animal sacrifices. Do we do that today? No, you can't use, you can't go back to the old Testament and try and compare it to stuff like this. It, it just doesn't work. And I think the old Testament is a very good tool. I don't want people to get the, wrong idea because there are a lot of really good lessons and stories and things that we can learn from in the old testament that's not at all what we are saying but in comparison to something like baptism um you you can't really make a very good case with it yeah well you know even in the old in the new testament the bible tells us the old testament is there for our learning uh but you know again like you said people going and pulling things out uh and and think about the Old Testament, and even Christ talks about in the New Testament when he uses the old old wine skins and and the new wine skins. He compares the idea of putting you know new you know trying to ferment wine in old wine skins. What's going to happen? It's going to burst. And the point he was making was you can't carry in the old law into a new time period into into a new law uh, time period, which they were going to be in uh, later following uh, you know Acts chapter two, but. We go back and look at Genesis 15, and like so many times happens, verses are pulled out of context. You look at Genesis 15, verse 6, where they say Abraham wasn't baptized, yet he was called righteous. 
and, and they use, and this gentleman quoted uh, Genesis 15, 6, and he believed in the Lord and he and accounted him for righteousness. Well, okay, but does that mean that he was saved because he had, because he was uh, righteous, uh, because he, you know, did what God, uh, he, this, this example of faith here? Now, if you look at in context, if you back up and look at verse one and pull up through verse six uh, of Genesis chapter uh, of 15 here, um, I believe that's right, where he was he is told to to come out and he's going to go to a different land. Uh, you know, he's verse seven says, I'm the Lord who brought you out of the land of Ur, the Chaldeans to give you this land uh, to inherit. And so we back up and find why was it why was he called righteous? Because he obeyed God. Now we think about so many uh, of these things. Uh, for example, and it's, actually I was thinking of Genesis 12 uh, verses one and following, where where he's called righteous because he left Haran and went to Ur and those types of things. But yeah. he he was called righteous because he obeyed God. And what's what's interesting later is when we'll get into this is this same gentleman who he quoted you know Genesis fifteen six saying well Abraham was called righteous, well why is he called righteous? Because he did what God told him to do, right? Exactly. And so in, in context, Abraham believed believed what God had said about uh, making his name great and his seed being as the stars of, of the sky there in Genesis fifteen. He also believed God and left Haran and went to to Ur uh, and those types of things. And so he was called righteous for a reason. Uh, he wasn't called righteous because he wasn't baptized. He was called righteous for a reason, because he obeyed God. Now, we, we find, as I said before, ideas and kind of foreshadowing of baptism, even in the Old Testament. But if someone did not obey God, they weren't going to get to heaven. And we're going to get to that more later, because the same gentleman tells us, uh, he kind of speaks at both sides of his mouth, it comes to a, something being commanded, but yet not being required. Did you have anything we'll say there before I bring up something else here real quick? Uh, no, not really. I, I'm kind of ready to get into the second point. I see where you're see where you're headed here with this. I'm... Okay. Well, I just want to bring up real quick here, First Peter 3, verse 18 through 22, uh, where Peter uh, brings up Noah. And he talks about who came through the flood and uh, through the floodwaters, the waters that washed away the sin of the world. We know literally everyone was, was wiped off uh, there, the sinful world. And, and it's compared uh, to baptism in the New Testament. If you look at Genesis 3.18, uh, in looking at verse 18 and following, he talks about how Christ went to preach, uh, you know, to all to all the world, <clears throat> even those who are in prison. That's the idea of spiritual prison because of sin. And then verse 21, how no, you know, those eight souls were saved by water. And then what does he say in verse 21? There's also an empty type which now saves us, baptism. So we find that comparison, the flood and baptism, even the Old Testament. So if you're going to try to say that baptism is not a requirement, you better find a different book because the Bible tells us, you know, we have foreshadowing in the old and we have it mentioned in the new, that comparison there, which tells us, you know, and Peter says quite plainly there, baptism does now save us. Now, for a second point, I'm going to let you lead the way on the second point uh, here, Trevor, as I've been talking a lot as preachers okay. do. So go right ahead. Yeah, so the the second point that we had that we were able to find from this video um, is that this individual says that we are saved by faith and grace alone. Um, and this argument treats baptism as a work and misapplies scriptures. And interestingly, the Bible teaches that faith, faith is a work. If you look at Second John verse 7 and 8, I actually don't have that pulled up just yet. But um, 
it says here for many deceivers that have gone into the world who do not confess Jesus coming as as, as coming in the flesh. This deceiver is anti is a this is a deceiver and antichrist. Verse eight. Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we have worked for, but that we may receive a full reward. Yeah. You um, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I this is something that I, I thought of before because you see people saying, well, we're saved by faith and grace alone, and baptism's a work. Um, you guys teach a works-based salvation, yet we see belief as well as faith, um, I'll get to belief here in a second, are both works themselves. So what is what is this really really telling us in comparison to that argument, Russ? Well, it tells us definitely that baptism or that rather uh, faith is a work. If you look there at verse 12, or excuse me, verse 8, rather, of Second John, he says, look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for. Work, the way he's talking about there in context, if you look at all of Second Second John, uh, that one chapter, is about being faithful to God and and checking and making sure we don't listen to just everything that kind of comes down the line, which would include things we we see even on YouTube as well, right? And so he says that we do not lose those things we worked for, and that work is a work of faith, because. To say, well, it's not it's not a work to remain faithful. That means I can sit back and do nothing, and then I'm going to be faithful no matter what I do. Well, logic says that doesn't make any sense because it takes work to be faithful to go to, to go to services, to be faithful and to be a student of God's word, to be faithful and to repent of sins when we, when we fail, to be faithful to resist temptation. Those are all works. Those things take effort. And then he says in verse 8 that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward, which is a, a, a looking towards heaven, that ultimate reward. And so is faith a work? I don't see how how it's anything, uh, how it's not. How could you yeah, say it's I not a work? I don't see how it's anything but a work. Um, you can also look in John chapter 6 there in verses 28 through 29. I'll go ahead and read them there real quick. Um, then said they unto him, What shall we do that we might do the what work, the works of God? Jesus answered and said unto them, This is the work of God that ye believe on him who he hath sent. Um, like you just said with faith, believing is a work. It's something that we have to do. I mean, can we be a Christian and not believe? I mean, that's like the center of our entire basis of our Christianity is that we have to believe in Christ. We have to believe in God. Um and what the Bible tells us to do, right? I mean, you, you don't have really any religion whatsoever. If you look at Mormonism, Islam, really anything, you don't have a religion if there's no belief there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that we have to do. And to say that that's not a work, I think that that's just contradictory to the scriptures, Russ. Well, and if you look here at verse 20, notice their question. They say, what shall we do, which implies an action. And when... And we find the same thing in Acts 2, verse 37, when they heard the, the message of Peter, they asked, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he told them things to do. It wasn't just simply a belief. He told them to repent and to be baptized. Uh, and he says they're why for the remission of their sins. And so there were things they had to do. And if you look at Revelation 2 and verse 10, which which supports the idea, much like John 14, 15 does, that we are to remain faithful unto death, uh, which is a work. Because... <laughs> If, if being faithful to God required no effort, let's be honest, everybody and their dog would be a faithful Christian then. But that's not the exactly. case. Exactly. And I mean, that's that's what you see people not necessarily <clears throat> teaching. I mean, you see a, a blind following of that to some extent with uh, the denominational world that, oh, you I mean, you see false teachers like Joel Olstein just 
um, pray a little prayer and you'll be saved. I mean, where is that in scripture? It, it's not. Um, do Just do whatever and you'll be saved. The Bible doesn't teach that. We have to apply effort like you're saying here. We have to give ourselves to Christ. I mean, I've I've talked to individuals before, um, several different preachers. Being a Christian is probably the most difficult thing that you can do on this earth. In fact, no, it is the most difficult life that you can live on this earth. And it takes effort. It takes work. And to say that it doesn't, I I don't really know where you're getting that idea. I mean, we have to be putting in our entire lives to Christ. That is work. That is effort that we have to give. And I don't I don't really see a way around that. I don't really understand where this line of thinking comes where you can just do whatever and be saved because that I mean they're not using the Bible to get that. I mean that's just words of men at that point. Well, you know, when we when we hear people say you don't have to do anything to be saved, and it's just you know, it's it's that it, you know, people who say you have to be baptized and those types of things, they they they're making it uh, uh, you know, your by merit. Uh, but what's interesting is if if faith is not a work, then why are we warned throughout the Bible to remain faithful to God? If you look at Second Peter three and verse seventeen, he says, "You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand." Beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the air of the wicked. And being, he says, lest you fall away, uh, fall from your own steadfastness. That is, lest you fall from being faithful to God. And what happens? He says you're carried away or led away with the air of the wicked. And so that teaches there's a possibility of, of falling away from the faith. Well, if, if you don't have to do anything to remain faithful to God, then verse 17 must be wrong. But we know, of course, the Bible is not wrong. We, what we find instead, and we, when we compare the Bible with the, the teachings of men today, is that what happens so many times is that emotions get involved. Well, my, you know, my aunt, my uncle, my grandma didn't do this or do this, and so you're, you're saying they're condemned? Are you saying they're not saved? And we have to respond and realize the Bible is the one who answers that. And sometimes we have to realize, that, you know what, maybe they weren't. But... And as much as that may hurt our feelings and, and, and make us upset, that shouldn't, it, you know, we, people respond that the wrong way. They can respond by saying, you know what, here's what the Bible says. I realize that now, and I can't change what, what others did in the past because we, that's true. We can't, right? And so I better make sure that I follow the Bible today because that's what they want, want me to do as well. You know, if you look at the parable, not the parable rather, but the, the instance of the rich man and Lazarus, one of the things the rich man wanted was for his brothers not to join him where he was. Uh, and he realized then that they needed to obey God. And so if you look here in Second Peter 3 and verse 17, he wants, wants us to be aware that we can fall away. And we think about, if we think about faith as a work, yes, it is a work. It is a work of obedience. It was, you know, we see example after example of those who, who showed their faith by their works, which is just pushing right us, right, us right to the book of James chapter 2 that deals with the same thing as well. Um, Abraham, uh, we know, had to leave, leave Haran to be obedient to God. We go back to Genesis 12 when this – uh, was this a work of righteousness? Would he be saved if he disobeyed by refusing to go? You cannot disobey and not sin, right? I mean, the Bible tells us a trans, uh, what is sin is a transgression of God's law. And say it's a, a, it's a transgression of, of any of God's commands. So God had told him to go to to Ur of Chaldees, and Abraham said no. Uh, he would have been disobeying God. And so which really brings us to the next question and uh I'm not talking a lot here, but look at verse. Look at this third point we have here. Some say, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be baptized. 
God commands it, but it's not a requirement for salvation. Now, Trevor, when you hear that phrase and you hear that statement, now I know when I heard it, I've heard it before. To me, it's like, wait a minute, what'd you just say? <laughs> That's yeah, the first thing um, I think of. I first thing that really comes to mind is like, like, wait, what? Um, do you do you even have a relationship? Well, um, well, sorry, uh, give me a second here. After he said that, um, he really said, if you already have a relationship with Christ, he said, I don't, I don't know why you wouldn't want to be baptized if you had a relationship with Christ. And so, like, when I first heard all of that, I was like, well, do you have a relationship with Christ before you're baptized? Do we see that in Scripture? I sure don't think so. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't see anybody who, um, New Testament whatsoever, I mean, you see the establishment of the church, really just take Romans to Revelation, anybody who gets baptized after they are saved. I mean, you don't see on the day of Pentecost all of them being like, okay, you're saved, now let's go baptize all of you. You don't see it. It's not mm-hmm. that's not the order. You see urgency. Um, you see, um, and I, I'm blanking a little bit right now, but you see individuals throughout the New Testament who are baptized immediately, the same hour of the night in some circumstances with the Philippian mm-hmm. jailer. Um, mm-hmm. You don't you don't see them getting baptized or right or what most denominations do, where they do a little sign up sheet for the first Sunday of the month to get baptized. They do it the same hour of the night. Why? Because it's a commandment. God's not going to throw something in the scriptures if he doesn't want us to do it. I mean, it would just be redundant at that point. There would be no purpose for baptism being in the Bible if it was not a requirement. And some say, oh, well, it's a showing of your faith. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and to an extent, yes, it is a showing of your faith, but it's a commanded showing of your faith. Um, and I really don't see how the Bible would have baptism in it if God um didn't make it a requirement i just there's there's nothing there's nothing that i can see there that would lead me to believe that well when when you hear that statement when you hear people say things like well it's an outward showing of an inward working is a phrase how i heard it phrased before and so to to order to make it sound like baptism order for them to try to say it's not a requirement because it happens after you're saved what they do is they're changing the point of a person's salvation if you look at Acts 2, a person was not saved until they were baptized. And when, when they asked Peter, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized. And he said, for the remission of your sins, which means in order to have your sins remitted, you have to be baptized. So much so to the extent when those who were following John, who only knew of John's baptism, uh, had to be were baptized again into the baptism of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, which, which again shows you what? That's how important it is. And if baptism was not important, why were 3,000 people baptized in one single day? If you're going to choose a time to say it's not important it's not, or it's not requirement, that would have been the day. Not when you're baptizing 3,000 people for no for no good reason. Exactly. Uh, and so and then you find that example of that baptism. You find that Paul, when he was – or Saul, rather, before he became Paul, you know, he met Christ on the road, on the road to Damascus. He, he was told by Christ to go and wait, and, to be, and he was, he's going to be told what he must do. If a person was going to be saved by a simple prayer, Paul, Saul was talking to Christ literally almost face-to-face, so to speak, right? I mean, he, yeah. Saul was now blinded, but he wasn't saved. He nope. wasn't saved until Ananias, who Christ told to go to speak to him. Told him what he had to do, and then he arose and he was baptized, and and so we we find example after example after example of salvation beginning at baptism in the New Testament, and again. 
3,000 people baptized in Acts 2, people being baptized throughout the book of Acts. You know, Peter says, you know, there's Antitype, which now says us, baptism. Uh, why talk about it so much if it's not a requirement? You don't need an outward sign or inward working. The outward sign is your behavior, that is, being a faithful Christian. Uh, that idea of an outward sign is not correct. And then we think about, I'm going to get going here. We think about the <laughs> the phrase how, you know, he was a call on the Lord there. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's in Saul's conversion. It says he called on the Lord as he was, you know, being baptized. Yeah. What was he doing? That literally means he was obeying the gospel. He, by his actions, he was calling on God to wash away his sins at baptism. Calling on the name of the Lord. Well, he could have done that back when he was walking the road to Damascus if that's all he needed to do for a salvation, but he didn't yeah, do it. And that's what we see with the denominational teaching. They go exactly by that. Like Saul would have been saved at that point, but that's not at all what the Bible teaches at all. And if you go back and look at the day of Pentecost, I had, I had this written down. Um, hope I don't offend anybody with this. But, You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope so. Um, if you look at the day of Pentecost, and baptism wasn't essential. Can you imagine how big of a waste of time that would have been? Yeah. Can you imagine 3,000 people? That's a lot of people, man. I, I went to a public high school um, my first two years. We had about like 2,500 people. And when that big old gym was filled up with an assembly, dude, it was cram-packed of people. I mean, baptizing that many people at the same time. And I know we don't really see how many, I guess, baptizers there were for that mm -hmm. specific day. But I imagine it took a little bit to get all of those people baptized. Like, that would have been a colossal waste of time if it wasn't a requirement. Um, but I just, I don't know. Yeah, and, and you think about this phrase he uses, and, I, and I've heard this too from, to not to pick on him, but this is who I heard it from. So it was from a Baptist friend of mine from way back in the day, and he said, well, you know, it's a commandment, but it's not a requirement, just like what this guy said here. And I asked him the same thing that we're going we're gonna to ask now. How can a commandment not be a requirement? When when God commanded Abram to leave Haran, was that a, was that a commandment that wasn't a requirement? That he literally could then, if that was the case, he could have obeyed God and stayed right there, but he didn't. And so, if you look at think about this for a second, look at First John three, and looking at verse four, he says, "Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness." So that's the very definition of sin. Yeah. So when you're saying that it's a commandment of God, which means you have to do it. But it's not a requirement. You're basically saying it's it's not required to follow this command of God. That's well, what you're basically I mean, saying. I mean, you're also making up doctrine as well, because you could look at it from a perspective of Noah. I mean, what would have happened if Noah didn't build the ark? I mean, it's not like when you're. Mm -hmm. let, let's look at it. If you're if you're a kid and your mom asks you to take out the trash, does she say if you want to? No, she tells you to do it. I mean, it's from a logical standpoint, it just doesn't work. I mean, if Noah was to not have built that ark, would he have maintained his righteousness and still have been saved? No, he would have not. He would have died. Um, him and his family would have died just along with everybody else. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and so, um, go ahead. Yeah. Well, again, you know, that statement, what does that mean? Well, well it's a commandment to God, but it's not required. But what, and I think, again, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about a second ago. They try to say that because it's a commandment of God, but it's not a requirement because you're already saved prior to baptism after you say their sinner's prayer or kneel their mourner's bench and what denomination you're talking about which again neither of those things are found in the bible and you know as we talk about is baptism being a requirement and people get up and around for about this obviously they get very upset about when you talk about these things 
But if you look at the, the Bible plan for salvation, it's the most simple plan that there is. Oh, yeah. You know, I mean, that, that, sorry, sorry to cut you, you off know, there, Bob. No, Baptism good. is easy. Is it hard to have somebody dunk you in water? No, it's not hard. It's just the fact that people don't want to do it. And you touched on it a little bit. I didn't want to interrupt you earlier. Sorry, I no, interrupted you just then. But um, like with family members, people don't want to do it because you're saying that your family members are not saved. I mean, that's a big I think that's a big thing in our society, at least or at least where I live. People don't want to do this and then be condemning their family members. And from a from a human first like standpoint, I understand that it's hard. I mean, I, I know you have family members that aren't faithful. I have family members that aren't faithful. It's a hard thing to deal with. Like it is hard. Like I, I've got a brother who's I, I don't even really talk to anymore. I haven't talked to him in a while that is out in the world, riotous living. I mean, you could compare it to the prodigal son who just hasn't come back yet, but it it's a hard, hard thing. But the Bible tells me that he is wrong, and I have to go off to what the Bible says, not what other people are telling me. And that can be difficult sometimes, but we have to look to what God's saying before what man is saying. And I think that applies here as well. Yeah, and and to that point, you know, we mentioned this before. You think about, I'm going to bring up the rich man and Lazarus again, but you think about the rich man. <laughs> you consider, you remember in that context, he says that he has five brothers. And basically he pleads for someone to go and warn them about, you know, about the truth, basically. And it, he's told they have they have Moses and the prophets let them hear him little types of things because basically there was no reason for them not to hear they had the perfect they had the ability they just didn't have the desire, and and when I think about that and I think about sometimes how people are reluctant or maybe just flat refuse to do what the Bible teaches because they feel like they're going to condemn a member of their family. You think about the rich man. It was very clear. He did not want them to join them. He couldn't leave, obviously. Uh, he he was condemned for his actions and for his inactions. But the last thing he wanted was for his brothers to be hard-hearted and not obey. He didn't want them to come there. And you think about what that means. It meant he was never going to see them ever again. And he was okay with that so long as they didn't join him in torments. And which to me is a big thing to think about when we're talking people who are reluctant or saying, well, you're condemning this person, this person. Think about that rich man. Uh, you know, he was condemned, but he didn't want his brothers to be condemned. And would our loved ones who have passed on who were unfaithful, they want us to join them? No, no, they wouldn't. I can tell you right now that they don't. I mean, hell or torment is a pretty terrible place. I guarantee you that nobody, I mean, from the descriptions we have in the Bible, they would not want us to join them. Um, just one one other thing I wanted to touch on before we hit our last point here. Hopefully, time permitting, we can. I think we might be a little bit over. Um, but have you in particular, have you ever heard the term my way or the highway? I've, oh, yeah, I've heard that plenty yeah. of times. I've heard it, a lot when I was from my dad when I was younger. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, you're speaking to the choir right now. Um, yeah, it's kind of got a little bit of a negative connotation to it. But in all reality, I mean, that's how God works, right? I mean, would you agree with that? I mean, yeah. God only offers us one one way of doing things, and that applies to baptism as well. A really good example that I, I love to use, I think that um, I absolutely love it. If you turn to Leviticus 10, um, verses 1 through 3, where we see Nadab and Abihu, I really love this example because it really, um, really shows us um, God's law of exclusion, which doesn't completely apply here, but 
it shows us that God offers one way of doing things, right? Um, mm-hmm. I, I can I can read it if you want me to, or are you are you there sure. yet? No, you can okay. go ahead. Um, all right, give me a second. I am not there. Uh, okay. Um, there we go. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his censer and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Um, we don't need to read verse 3. But you can see here, um, really in, in verse 1, which he commanded them not, that doesn't necessarily mean he told them specifically, hey, don't put it in there. But he mm-hmm. could have just, I mean, when he said for them what to do for their sacrifice, he's excluding everything else. And that, that really applies to um, baptism as well, because God's really excluding any other option than being baptized. I mean, mm-hmm. he's excluding sprinkling of children. He's excluding all of these other ritualistic things that I can't really think of because I particularly don't practice them, but he's excluding <laughs> all of the, all these other things. It, so I, I just really like that as an example for, um, for baptism. And I think that it's something we really need to pay attention to because um, we don't want to fall into that same scenario. And we can very, very easily, especially with the world as it is right now, it's really, we, we've touched, touched on it a couple of times, but it's a lot very easy to listen to man more more than God sometimes because of the appeal that we see there and how easy it can be. I mean, if you look at these mega churches and denominations, I mean, half the time they're not even speaking from the Bible. It just turns into a motivational speech. If you look at, I already mentioned him, but my good buddy Joel Olstein there. I mean, it, I've, I've looked at some of yeah. his stuff and it's just complete nonsense most of the time just to write him another check. So we, I just think we got to be careful, man. Well, definitely, because, and, and like you say, you know, sometimes people will say, you know, well, God didn't say if I wasn't baptized, I'll be condemned. But, but actually, he does. When you think about in Mark 16, 15, and 16, he says exactly that. Now, people will pull this apart and say, well, he didn't say that there. But if you look at Mark 16, 15, and 16, he says, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And what's interesting, people will jump all over this. And what do they say? Well, it doesn't say you, if you're not baptized. Well, if you don't believe, you're not going to be baptized. Why don't you have to bring, even bring up baptism again? Why would you bring up the next step or another step in baptism and, and salvation if you haven't followed the one previous to it? Exactly. You know, it's like telling a person to confess their sins who doesn't believe in Christ. They're going to look at you and go, why am I do that? I don't even believe in God. And so that argument is really, to me, is one of the most terrible ones you have. Because why would you bring up something that has this, you know, you're implying that you're putting something in there that it doesn't say. The person who doesn't who isn't doesn't believe will not be condemned. He doesn't have to go on and say, and the person who does not who is not baptized will be will be condemned, because if you're not obeying God's commands, and that's the idea in verse 16, if you're not obeying God's commands, you're condemned. Exactly. You're gonna bring, bring up step four or five, whatever it is, if you're not gonna do step the step prior to that. Oh, yeah, I would agree. And if you just hop up a couple verses to verse five, um, Jesus says right here, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Why would that be there before verse 16? Why would that be there if it wasn't a requirement? There would be no need for that. I mean, that this verse is literally telling you right here, you have to be baptized. Number five, John three, verse five. Mm-hmm. So I, yeah. there would be no need for that verse if it wasn't a requirement. So, um, I don't know if you're wanting to hit um, our first, well, fourth point here. We already touched on it a little bit. Uh, it's, it's up to you. 
Yeah, we'll go ahead and finish. This is, this is our fourth and final point. We'll just go a little bit longer. That's okay. Hey, our fourth and final point here says those who, and of course, we can go in a lot more detail. Maybe we'll later, but this will be the last one for today. Those who say baptism is a work, teach that baptism is a sign of one's salvation. But is that what Peter said? Is that what Ananias told Saul? And really, we kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. We kind of we kind of mesh some of this together. Uh, but you think about it, they say that baptism is a work. Now, if that is the case, we talked about this before, how can it be a work? And well, I mean, it is it is a work because it is part of God's commandments, right? And so but people can confuse work of obedience and, and and they and they turn this into a well you're earning you're earning your salvation now. Yes. No, you're not. Right. You're obeying God. Yeah. And so yeah. Go ahead. Um, no, yeah, I, I really think that people throw in the works of merit card and think that, oh, I can preach the gospel to X amount of people to be saved is what we're, we're saying with baptism. And that's really not it at all. I mean, there is no number of good deeds that I can do in order to get to heaven. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they will. I mean, I'm commanded of them and I need to be doing them, but I can't do X amount of good works or so many more than you to get to heaven. No, I have to follow God's word and God's word. I mean, part of part of me living faithfully is doing good things and doing the works that God has commanded me to do, which includes faith, belief, baptism, etc. We we have to do these things. There's no way around them. Yeah. And, you know, when people will, will as we mentioned before, will use the idea of baptism being being, uh, you know, a work of merit for your salvation, which in reality, and they and they say, well, you know, it's just an outward sign of your, of your faith you have inside of you, that type of thing, whatever that, you know. Anyway, well, in reality, if we're honest, if we look at the Bible, we show our faith each and every day. We're the lights of the world, as we look at Matthew 6, uh, by by our lives, by the things that we do, by our, you know, refusal to give in to temptation, by our uh, willingness to to speak up uh, for the truth and to defend God in the church and and those types of things. And so if you want to talk about something an outward sign of a quote unquote inward working, uh, it's our faith. We show people who we are by our faith, not by the act of baptism. Now, if we are baptized and we are to be baptized for remission of our sins, Acts 2, 38. Does, do people see that and see us as the person who's made the gospel? Yes. Yeah. But it's much more than that as well. And so our faith is what shows people who we are, not just uh, the, not just merely the act of being baptized, because it's much more than that. You know, I've had people call me here in Ulaga and say, well, our son is, you know, whatever years old and we were ready for him to be baptized and i said well we're gonna have to have a conversation before we do something like that we don't just baptize people while they hung up because people today will look at like it's just something you do it's just part of your life if you're you know you're you're a christian because now you're baptized for and as that person was talking about for no apparent reason and so baptism is not an outward sign it is a part of god's plan for saving mankind do you have anything you want to add before we close here this this uh, uh, today? Um, I had like one one tiny little thing. Like if you if you look like culturally, like back in the 40s and 50s, I was watching a movie the other day um, that was based in that time period. Character asked the other one, "Hey, are you baptized?" Like, no. Uh, well, yeah, I'm not not a heathen. And like you see denominations <laughs> back then that would do it too, just culturally. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just something that they do. I find that really really interesting as well because, um, you know, I mean, as times move forward and denominations especially have changed you just don't see them doing that anymore i just i just find that really interesting because i mean why yeah. was it needed then but not now i mm-hmm. i don't know it, yeah like it was a rite of passage type of thing yeah 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 yeah, yeah. definitely 
Well, I, I'm very grateful for you letting me crash your party here today. <laughs> You're just fine. Uh, this is not a party crashing. But we are going to end for today, and maybe in the future we'll come back and look at some other things, maybe about baptism, maybe about something else. But I do thank Trevor for being here with me today. I do thank all those who are listening here on Bible Way, or Bible, Bible Way Media and also on Bible Studies, Bible Studies with Russ. And today, Bible Studies with Russ and Trevor. And we hope to see you again next time. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Bible Way Media by visiting us at BibleWayMedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.